And welcome back to The Damn Podcast, coming to you live on YouTube and anytime on your favorite streaming service. I am Carter Baines, coming from Corvallis, and she is Angie Machado in Sherwood. Angie, midway through the week, how's it treating you? It's, it's good. Can't complain. The sun was out. Life is good. Not too bad down here in Corvallis as well. Uh, I was inside for most of the day watching Pac-12 basketball. Uh, obviously, today was the, the opening day of the men's basketball tournament in Las Vegas. Didn't make the trip down. Figured, you know, it's probably a one-and-done situation for Oregon State as it, as it was. As it was. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit later as we recap that game against Oregon. Um, but let's just kind of let's give them a, a rundown of what we've got today. We're going to talk some spring football. Oregon State spring camp got underway. Uh, I guess it was last, last Thursday. Thursday. Yeah. Hard to, hard to keep track because some days were there. Some days were not. Yeah. So we were there on Thursday. They practiced again on Saturday behind closed doors. Uh, and then I was there again yesterday, Tuesday, Then we've got a few more days coming up uh, this week. So lots of spring football stuff to talk about. We'll get to that momentarily. Uh, as I mentioned, we'll talk men's basketball and then baseball, of course, with, with a big series win against UC Irvine, we're going to touch on that. Uh, and then kind of take a look at where spring and winter sports stand right now, because we're at the kind of the, the cross, the cross section of, of those two um, seasons right now. But Angie, first, I got to ask you, what are you drinking tonight? OK, I'm celebrating Oregon. I am drinking a nice glass of Pinot Noir here from I'm going to give a shout out to Beckham Estate. I'm drinking a 2017 Estate Pinot. Beckham is actually right up here on Parrot Mountain, um, not too far from my house. I checked them out for my birthday last month and um, super fun. It was a, they actually aged their wine, not in barrels, but in amphora. So they're like clay pots. Anyway, check them out or give me a, a message if you want to learn more about Beckham Estate. There you go. I'm going Corvallis local. Uber local. Two Town Cider House, yeah, absolute best cider, absolute best hard cider around. This one is Two Thorns. It's actually a, a seasonal one from, I believe, the fall. I want to say okay. uh, it was kind of a straggler that was left in the fridge, and so I said, "Let's let's go super local today." Uh, raspberry Rose Cider. Ooh, so is it good? It's pretty good. Nice. So cheers! Cheers to, to the second episode of Damn Podcast Live. If it's not, if you guys are having a cocktail with us or a soda or whatever you're drinking, drop it in the comments and uh, let us know what, what you're drinking or what we should be trying next week or the week after. So give us a, give us some ideas. And yeah, if, if you're watching and, and listening live on YouTube, go ahead and use the chat there, uh, drop some questions, leave some comments and we'll, we'll touch on them over the course of the next I don't know, probably 45 minutes to an hour or so today. It'll probably be a shorter episode today than it was last week because we're not celebrating a 20th anniversary this week. Yeah, um, and, and we are supposed to have a guest. Um, and that's going to be delayed by a week. And I think Carter's going to touch on that, but we were going to have a guest. But next week, promise. Yeah, I'll, I'll kind of preview that a little bit. So uh, we tried to get a football guest on today. Today's not a good day to get it, to get a football uh, player coach on they're they're super busy at the Valley football center right now. Um, so we are waiting until next week and it looks like we're going to get a baseball player on. So, um, I don't know if you want to leave a request of, of who we talk to, I would imagine it'll probably depend on how this weekend series goes. 
Uh, you know, if Jacob Melton, yeah, if, if Jacob Melton goes out and hits two grand slams, we'll try to get him. Uh, Cooper Jerpy throws a perfect game. We'll, we'll try to get him. So uh, wait and see there. And then I, I think after that, you know, football will be kind of in that, um, that two week break. Baseball will be um, on the road uh, the, the week after. So we might try to get Wayne Tinkle on here. Basketball season will be wrapped up and, um, you know, kind of do a season recap with him. So stay tuned because we do have guests on the docket, not this week, but they are coming up. And, and Wednesdays, I think, I think this is going to be kind of our, our, try to, our go-to try to Wednesday night at six. Um, we're going to try to be consistent with you guys. Um, it's really hard and we know we cannot please everyone. Um, but we are trying to help out with the people in different time zones as well. So uh, we're hoping that this is kind of the sweet spot, you know, middle hoping. of the week. It's, it's not a Monday like it was last week. That was a Mondays little tough. Are tough. They're tough. 6 for me PM. Too. You know, you're probably home from work by now if, if you're working in the office. So um, yeah, hopefully it looks like, you know, we've got quite a few people watching on YouTube and I, I know that um, uh, people love the the audio version as well still. So with that, I, I think, Angie, let's go ahead and jump into football because you were down here last week. Uh, I was at practice on Tuesday. And um, yeah, just, uh, just kind of curious what your thoughts were from, from day one of camp that you saw all kind of go a little deeper with what I saw yesterday, Tuesday for, for day three. But um, what did you see when you came down to Corvallis last Thursday? Yeah, first of all, I just want to say when I drink red wine, sometimes I flush. So just... Just ignore it if I get all red because that's what red wine does to me. So I'm not embarrassed. Um, first day of camp. I, I know I've said this before. It's not the same. Spring camp is not the same in my book as fall camp. But I did see energy. Um, I, I saw some energy. Um, I saw you know two new guys in Martinez and Lopez, which I was excited to see. I wanted to see them. Um, and like I said, the it didn't have the energy maybe that the first day of fall camp has, but we saw guys running around. Um, there was some excitement. We got to speak to a couple of the, the coordinators. And uh, overall, I think it was a, a solid practice. Nobody got hurt. And uh, yeah, it, it was a typical spring practice. You mentioned the coordinators, and obviously that was Trent Bray's first spring practice um, as the full-time defensive coordinator. And it was good to talk to him. I think he's um, becoming more and more comfortable with us as, as the media every day. Um, you know, okay, him, and Lindgren, us, him and Lindgren seem more comfortable than coach Smith does with us. Although coach Smith yesterday was really good. Yeah. And, and we'll touch on that in a, a couple minutes here, but um, yeah, you know, Trent Bray as a linebackers coach never really had to talk to us, you know, maybe once in fall camp and, and now we get him every week during the season and, and fairly often during camp. Uh, really interesting to get his insights on how the defense is going to look under his direction, as opposed to Tim Tibisars, who, by the way, is now at Akron. He actually just got the Akron defensive Zips. coordinator job um, at Akron under head coach Joe Moorhead, who was the offensive coordinator at Oregon. So hey, that's just couple, wild. Couple uh, Beaver Blast State ties at at Akron right now, but yeah, I know that the sample size is super small, but. Um, from what you saw last week, any noticeable differences on, on the defensive side of the ball? I, I think what we're going to see is a lot more aggression on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I think we're going to see an emphasis on tackling and wrapping up. And, um, and, and this is something that Trent alluded to. This is something I've heard him allude to in other, other talks. And it's something I heard from Jaden Grant, who we also spoke with is 
they expect these guys to just fly to the ball and swarm to the ball. So I, I, I think we see more of that. I think we see them play with a little more um, chip on their shoulder, more aggression. Uh, I still, I'm concerned about that defensive line. And it was a total bummer that the twins from North Texas committed to UCLA last week because they were supposed to be on campus uh, Friday of this week. And uh, that was a, that was a bummer. And that was what I worried about when I saw that they were heading to UCLA first. But um, I do think that especially linebackers, I think we see a lot more aggression. Um, I'm really excited to watch the, the continued development of Easton Mascarinas because we saw him quite a bit on Thursday. And I think he's going to be a beast for OSU. Yeah, that aggression from the front seven, I, I think, is crucial for this defense because what we've seen in the past is, and what we kind of expect to come this year is a really talented secondary that brings a lot of experience and playmaking ability. Um, but you, you can only do so much back there when you get no pocket pressure. And um, too many times last year and and in years prior, that defensive line and, and the edge rushers weren't getting to the quarterback enough. And um, you know, just give, giving them all day essentially to either escape the pocket or find an open receiver downfield. Um, so that is something that that I think that the Trent Bray defense is going to bring to the table a little bit more with some more aggressive blitz packages, um, more four down linemen looks, uh, which is, you know, very, very much needed considering yeah, the personnel yeah. at, at Oregon State. Jumping into to day three, like I said, again, that was that was Tuesday of this week. Uh, I was on hand. It was freezing at the pro throw practice fields, about 40 degrees, uh, which is why last week when we kind of previewed spring camp, I said that I preferred uh, last year when later in April yeah. and May. Um, but yeah, it felt, it felt very winter out there. Luckily no rain, but um, yeah, we saw the first, well, I see, I, I don't know if they went full pads on Saturday because we were locked out but on Tuesday. Yeah. The, the acclimation, their, their acclimation. Is, yeah. is shorter in spring camp than it is in fall. So they did go full pads on. Sorry, Tuesday. I had to get a little bit more because I tried just a little bit and it was really good. So having a little bit more. Um, yeah. A, a nice plug for, uh, for a, a local winery there. Sorry. Um, Sorry. This is live and, and we want to have fun with it. So <laughs> what was I saying again? You were talking about going pads and they did not. That's go right. Pads That's on right. Saturday That's right. Because yeah. it was acclimation. So they go full pads on Tuesday. And with that, tons of live action. So seven on seven, 11 on 11, um, and even some one-on-one -on -one situations with the receivers and defensive backs, which means if you're a Beaver Blitz member and you are checking out the Lodge Notebook, as you know, all sorts of highlights from these live periods, um, top plays of the day, you know, which players were standing out. That's the kind of stuff that you're going to get, that you're going to get in the Lodge Notebook. So if you're not a Beaver Blitz member, that right there. Um, is probably Seriously. the number one reason during spring well, camp. To okay. Enjoy. And I just want to give a little plug too, because day one, I was blown. So this is, it's a kind of a sad state in my opinion of where Oregon state football is because it's day one of fall camp. And I showed up a little late because I had an appointment and I had to come down from Portland. Carter and I were there. Joe Freeman was there from the Oregonian and then Brendan Slaughter showed up late. That was the only media covering practice. And I don't think I told the, told you this yesterday yet, but for the first half hour of practice, I was the only one there. So yeah. the first half hour of practice, uh, anything that's covered there in the Lodge Notebook is fully exclusive to Beaver Blitz. So again, as if you needed enough reasons, so this is, tur this is turning into a full on like advertisement for Beaver Blitz. But <laughs> that's later on in the rundown. 
Yeah, but this this really is yeah. what you get. Yeah. Um, this this kind of coverage the Lodge is, Notebook is is exclusive amazing. to yeah. right down to the music beverage. playlist. Classic rock yesterday, yeah. so glad which I, I know it. isn't necessarily your. So glad origin. I missed it. Anyways, outside of that, um, with the you know with the emphasis on live drills yesterday and the first day of pads, the one thing that stood out to me the most was that Damian Martinez, the true freshman running back you just mentioned a couple of minutes ago, took quite a few reps with the first team. And Angie, I don't I don't know if this is maybe just me, but maybe you've noticed this too. But like true freshmen don't usually run with the ones or or even really the twos under not Jonathan even Smith, not on right? day three of spring camp when they're brand new and should be seniors in high school. Yeah. Yeah. You and mostly Carter, I, I actually texted you after I watched the video of Coach Smith. And you actually said you noticed the same thing, but I'm watching him and you ask him a question about Damien and coach Smith is usually very um, somber, very just straight face. And it was like, he could almost barely contain a big grin when you mentioned Damian Martinez. I mean, I think the staff is really, really excited about him and what he might bring to that offense. Yeah. I can tell that they're really high on him. And I, I think they were throughout the whole recruiting process as well, mm-hmm. too. Um, I, I remember back to, to the early signing day when Jonathan Smith kind of went uh, with the rundown of each of the guys who had signed that day. And, and he was really high on Damian Martinez. And I think the fact that they get him here in, in January ahead of spring camp, you know, give him some time to acclimate um, and then give him a, you know, an extra five weeks of practice too, just absolutely huge. And yeah. the fact that he's already capitalizing on that with first team and second team reps um, is, is massive for his development. And, and I think his ability to make an impact early on in his career, and it's, it's not like he's just getting the reps to, I mean, he's, he had a couple of first down runs in 11 on 11 and, you know, right now they're not allowed to tackle. It's very limited contact, but he was getting into the second level of the defense. And I, you know, I, I think the big thing for him, you know, with, with him for me is the physical attributes. You look at him out there and he's probably the second tallest, uh, running back and and he has you know the the strength to to you know really make an impact at the at the point of contact so um i i know that you didn't get a chance to see as much of him on thursday uh, but that was that was really the the big standout thing for me on on tuesday well some one thing on thursday i mean I, I going back we taped this last monday so before demir collins if we're going to stick with running backs demir collins has added quite a bit of weight i think 20 pounds based on the on the depth chart or the the roster but he looks significantly larger. Um, can we talk quarterbacks a little bit? I just want to hear what you think about quarterbacks. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, I think we previewed this last week, but Tristan Jebbia and Ben Goldbranson are both, uh, they're, they're full goes. They're hundred percent healthy. Uh, they're out there. There's, you know, nothing limited about their, um, about what they're able to do in practice. So what I've seen from them is um, I, I think with Tristan, you know, you know what you're getting a game manager type guy who's, you know, fairly mobile, but he's not like chance where he's going to go sprint for a 20 yard gain or anything, but I've been really impressed with his throwing ability. I I think it is, it is noticeably um, more consistent than, than what chance brings to the table. And I know that's something that chance is working on this year. Um, But also with Ben, you know, I, I, you watch the ball come off his hands and it's, you know, he's always throwing a tight spiral. He's got great arm strength. Um, you know, even, even those mid range throws, he's really zipping, zipping it into the, to his receiver's hands, which, um, 
as you know, a chance chance has that ability, but you just don't see it with as much consistency, I think, as you see it with Tristan and Ben. I, I was excited to see both of those guys back. And I didn't think Ben looked as sharp as we saw him before he went down, but that's totally to be expected. I mean, he had shoulder surgery, so um, totally to be expected. You know, honestly, so I, I'm really curious to watch how I love Tristan, what Tristan brings as far as leadership, because everything I've heard from about Tristan is that he is, he has been in every voluntary workout, every film session, every time that the quarterbacks, whether he could throw or not, he was there. Um, that is my one big question mark with chance is how good of a leader is he? Um, how, um, you know, how much of a gym rat is he? Because I don't know if he is. I think he's more of a gamer. I think he's one of those guys that shows up and plays the game, but I don't know how much he focuses maybe on the off the field team building that I know that a guy like Tristan does. And, and on the topic of quarterbacks, we, we got a question in the lodge at Beaver Blitz before we went live here um, about JT Daniels, who's in the transfer portal. And, you know, if you've been following along at Beaver Blitz, we've been reporting that, you know, he's, he's on Oregon State's radar. Um, we don't know what the interest level is, you know, mutually or anything like that. Oh, I, but, got, I got an update. Oh, let's hear it. Let's hear I got it. An update this is for breaking you. news okay. on the damn podcast. Breaking news on the damn podcast live. I wanted to kind of say this. Okay. Beavs are still in it. I hear now, I don't know. I hear he would like to make a decision by the end of the month, end of March. Um, he's looking at Oregon state. He is looking at Oklahoma state. He's looking at a smaller school. And I believe Missouri is as the other one. So those are kind of where he's been focusing right now. Um, that is from a good source. So take it with a grain of salt, but hopefully we know something here in the next three weeks, four weeks. Uh, he is set to graduate here um, soon, and then he'll be making the transfer when he's, you know, got his degree and can be a grad transfer. So that would be huge, and that would take a big sting out of losing those those defensive end trip or twins. Um, totally different size of the ball. I get that, but um, what would you? What would somebody like bringing a JT Daniels? What would that mean to this offense, Carter? This is a former five-star quarterback who, you know, originally signed with USC, obviously ended up at Georgia and, and was uh, behind Stetson Bennett this year on that national champion team. He just has, I think he has so much left to offer. I think he has so much left in the tank as, as a guy who hasn't played in a while, but you know, the pedigree is there. Um, quarterbacks, Quarterbacks are one of those positions where I think the recruiting rankings typically do kind of translate to, to the play on the field when they get to college. And if, if Oregon state was to land JT Daniels, you know, I, I think it's probably a stepping stone to the NFL. You know, I, I think he probably does still have an NFL future. Um, and have you seen him? I mean, so he was, like you said, a pedigree. So he went to matter day. I mean, Matt Liner. I mean, think of the guys that have come through matter day. Amazing. Um, when we saw him as a high school kid, like an elite 11, so I don't think I've ever seen the kid throw the ball that well. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, impressive raw skills, impressive what he has accomplished in his time when he's healthy and he's the starter at, um, you know, the various schools he's been at. Do you know, so I, I believe he would have two years of eligibility. Is that correct? I believe so. Yeah. With that COVID year. Now right. I think in his mind, it's, it's a, come, um, be ready for the NFL. I, I do when you look at the schools that he's 
kind of what I've heard he's looking at. I think Oregon State with with Lindgren is a great landing spot. And then when you look at the wide receivers, I now granted, I think the wide receivers have under maybe underperformed, but I think part of that is due to the quarterback play past year. I don't think Chance was good at seeing downfield. I don't think Chance um, was is great at the deep ball. So I mean, think about like Trayshawn Harrison, even Tyjon Lindsey, um, Anthony Gould with a guy that can like chuck it downfield. I don't know. I like, I love the extra dimension. And then what we're even forgetting then is the tight ends. I mean, think how many times the tight ends were wide open last season and chance missed them or didn't see them. Um, I think JT gives the Beavers just a different element um, to the offense that would uh, maybe catapult them to the next level. Yeah. And, and, you know, this isn't a a knock on chance Nolan or anything, but I, I think, the upgrade that you would get at quarterback play opens up so much more downfield because you mentioned the fact that, you know, receivers have been open and and tight ends have been open and the quarterbacks have missed them. There are also situations where I think over the last few years, we've really been frustrated with the wide receivers ability to get space open. Yeah. get separation. And, And with a quarterback like Daniels, you know, an elite arm like that, he's the kind of guy who can thread the needle. And, you know, those plays that, might end in a pass breakup because the the receivers blanketed you know jt daniels is the kind of guy who can put the ball where only his receiver can get it um and you know that's just kind of the the dynamic playmaker that you would get from a former five-star quarterback and i think what that opens up for the oregon state offense is incredibly exciting so obviously you know he's he's a really He's, he's a highly touted transfer. There's all sorts of schools going after him, but it does sound like there is at least some sort of mutual interest between Oregon State and JT Daniels. Um, and we might be approaching a decision here in, in the next couple of weeks, as, as Angie said. So keep an eye on that. We will be on top of that situation at Beaver Blitz. That pretty much wraps up our, our football section. I think we covered pretty much everything um, that we have seen over the first two days. One position change that we didn't talk about is... Tommy Spencer tight end has moved to left tackle. So um, I know we talked about that in the lodge before anybody else that was broken in the lodge, but um, we can go ahead and talk about it here. Yeah. And I I think, you know, the tight end room, the emphasis that Jonathan Smith has put on that position in recruiting has been so heavy that I, I think they've just built a ton of really young talent. Um, and there's all sorts of depth there. And when, when you look at the roster, there's like five or six, yeah. um, five or six freshman tight ends. And so and credit to coach Wozniak too, who's really yeah. done a good job with that. There was just never going to be enough playing time to go around for all of them. Even with the, the commitment that Oregon state has made to involving the tight end in the offense, um, over the last, you know, two, three years, I, I just think that it was, it was almost too much of a good thing. And, and so I, I don't see. I don't see this as a, you know, Tommy Spencer wasn't a good tight end. So we're moving him to offensive line. It's, you know, he had the stature to move to O-line fairly seamlessly and we can afford to move him because we've got guys who can fill in for him. So um, that's, that's something that we'll be watching is, you know, how much playing time is, is Tommy Spencer getting on the O-line in practice and, and who's taking his reps at, at tight end. Uh, we are going to, kind of promote one thing here real quick. And I'm, I'm going to drop the link in the chat on YouTube again, like we did last week, the Beaver Blitz merch store went live last week as part of our 20 year anniversary. And it's kind of been a hit. Hasn't yeah. it? Angie? No, it's been fun. And, and 
I love some of our members have actually reached out because they're starting to get the, the merch they ordered. So it's been Mine's like coming on Friday. And um, I know Connor King got his and sent me a picture. It looks sharp. And he said, oh my gosh. It's, and I didn't, so I haven't got mine yet. And, you know, we're not making any money. We're just doing the costs that cost them. So um, I was, I was a little leery because the things aren't super, super expensive, but Connor said it's actually super soft. The sweatshirt he got, he got a couple of hoodies and said they're soft and comfortable. So um, yeah, they might not last you forever, but we've already now, Carter, you're, you're going to have to get into uh, doing some new designing because we've actually had some people talking about maybe some new limited edition drops of the merch. So yeah, I, I've been impressed. I, I think, you know, the, re the reception has re been really positive. It was really cool, like you said, to, to see um, some of our, our members kind of share photos of, of what they got. I'm really excited for my stuff to come in on Friday. I can wear it to practice. Games. You're going to look so sharp on video. We're, we're going to be official here, Andy. We are official like a referee whistle. A la Craig yeah, Evans. So, oh, 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 can we talk about, wait, we cannot leave football without talking about Addison Gums because Addison Gums has left football, be a coach. So he is off. I, I mean, who knows? He may stay, still be on the 2D depth chart for all we know. But can, can you promise me one thing, Carter? I think, okay, this is, this is my idea. This is, see, this is fun. We got to have fun with this. I actually think we need to start naming on our Beaver Blitz depth chart for the season. We need to have like endowed positions. So it would be like the Addison Gums outside linebacker. And maybe we have the Simi Cooley defensive end. And then maybe, but then we also have to be kind and maybe the Fred Thompson defensive tackle and, and name some, I don't know. I'm just throwing some spitball in here, but I think we have got to keep Addison Gums on that 2D depth chart for at some, somehow, some way. I, I think he will go down as, you know, one of the, uh, the biggest question marks at, at Oregon state, you know, a guy who came in with, with so much hype and in the very, very limited time that we saw him on the field was very productive yeah. and, you know, it, it just never panned out for him. And I, I think, you know, I, I actually can't believe I, I brushed over this when, you know, we were talking football because this was one of the more noteworthy things that happened this week, even with camp opening, um, you know, a, a guy who transferred in from Oklahoma and looked like he could be the next star on the Oregon State defense and, and just couldn't stay healthy. And it's it's unfortunate, but I am kind of glad that, you know, with as, as frustrating as it might have been for, for fans at times to not know what the situation was and as, you know, confusing it was for us as as media members covering this team, I'm, you know, I, I'm I'm glad and happy for Addison that he was able to go out on his own terms. And, yeah. you know, it, it clearly was a situation that he didn't want publicized. And I give Jonathan Smith a ton of credit for keeping it that way. It was and, very under wraps. Yeah. I have I mean, very good sources and it stayed pretty, I mean, I heard some rumblings, but I mean, two ACLs is, is hard. Yeah. Yeah. So best of How luck about, to, wait, one best more of thing luck too. to Addison Gums with his, uh, with, you know, the next step in his, his football journey as a coach. So one more thing, because I'm still in my boot since I have a broken fifth metatarsal. Have we seen anything from Isaac Hodgins? He's been out there, um, but he's not going live. He's, he's just going to be pretty limited throughout camp. You know, Oregon state has really kind of limited guys who have any, you know, question of, you know, like if, if a guy pulled his hamstring a month before practice, they're going to keep it really, really limited with him. Um, and so obviously for a guy like Isaac Hodgins, who's coming off a, a more serious injury, 
um, with that broken foot, you know, they're, so they're I, I got a little more light. insight there. He broke it. It was healing. And then he rebroke it. Had a setback. That is what took him so long. So which, which happens often with, with yeah. foot injuries. We've seen it recently. David Morris on Jay Hughes, Murray, Travon Bradford. I mean, yeah. foot injuries when you're a football player, they just, they don't heal because you're on your feet so much. So um, we're hoping team Machado here is out of the boot soon. Yes, I hit we six are. weeks on a Monday. Six weeks. So then I get to start transitioning out of the boot. No running routes, though, Carter. No running routes. We'll move you from the the questionable to uh, or what would it be from, from doubtful to questionable. Yeah, doubtful on, to questionable on the injury report. How about yes, that? yes, yes. But I, hey, I'm hobbling. I'm no. I, I'm like I'm pretty much rocking and rolling now. It's good to go. go. So um, I think I think we have actually hit on all of the football topics. Yes, I know we've yes, been I know bouncing around, lot. but it's um, it is kind of hard to keep track sometimes uh, in, in busy periods like this, where we have so much going on in the athletic department. Yes. Is there anything else you want to add on football before we finally move to Ben's basketball? No, but I want to, I want to, let's talk a little bit more about, I know you kind of did a little, a little promo for blitz, but what else is, is important about blitz? I mean, talk about like the Paramount plus um, there's some great things that not only do you get JP's walk off, there's a lot of things going on. So Carter, I'll let you kind of give a quick little promo there for blitz. Yeah. So Paramount Plus, I, I can speak firsthand to this because I've been using this streaming service a ton. I actually just fully dove into, into watching Yellowstone. All right. Um, which which I believe is actually on Peacock, but the, the prequel is on Paramount Plus. And so I'm excited to get to that as soon as I'm done. Um, you, you can watch live CBS, all, all sorts of sports. And with March Madness coming up, Paramount Plus is going to be uh, super handy for that. So you get a, a free, you know, compensated uh, subscription to Paramount Plus. If you are a VIP member at Beaver Blitz and you're not on a promotional deal, that is the one caveat there. But it's an incredible deal because you essentially get Beaver Blitz, all of 24 7 sports, and Paramount Plus for the price of one of those two things. So um, that is that is another perk. And you get access to some of the best experts in college football and college basketball yeah, out there. Seriously. And, and 24 7 just keeps adding adding experts. Um, so I'm excited about, especially pack 12. Um, I'm going to give one quick plug and I haven't done this. So, um, but I want to, because we're getting into spring and I am getting busier. So I don't know how many people know, but when they canceled football back in 2020, I went and got my real estate license. I know I'm crazy. So I'm still doing blitz and I got I have Carter, but I also have my real estate license. So if anyone is looking just for even advice or you are thinking about selling a home, give me a call. No pressure whatsoever. I'd love to work with you. Um, and even if it's just a, what should I do about this? Give me a call. So um, <laughs> I don't care. Give me a call. We can talk some football. I don't care. But um, anyway, I just wanted to put that out there because I want to work with people that I know and that I trust. So um, I've kind of kept it under wraps, but I thought, you know what? I've, I've sold now several houses and I'm, I'm good to go. So I'm not quite a rookie anymore. And, uh, I'd be excited to work with you. So that's, she's my got last a, plug. she's got a track record of success now. So I do, I do. I've actually, um, I've helped some former football players. So I sold a house, my very first sale was a former football player. And, um, I so grateful. They actually took a chance on me and, um, I'm excited. So, um, I'm in that Portland Metro. I, I specialize more in that South Metro, the West Lynn, Tigert, Walton, Sherwood, that whole area, but, um, you know, give me a call and we can, we can help you out. So, um, I know spring's a busy time and I know it's also important to be kind of figuring out is 
will it matter if I get new flooring or will it, do I need to paint or what's kind of important right now? And I'm very happy. I have a stager I work with and happy to uh, kind of bring all that knowledge together and work my connections to get your house sold. So uh, give me a ring. And that brings to an end our really our promos, odd our ads, advertisement our ads. break. Yes. Uh, which was interrupted with some football stuff that we forgot to get to, but we're going <laughs> to try to keep it a little more fun. structured. Carter, yeah. it's fun. This is what happens when you go live yes. and yeah, it, and it kind of goes wine. off the rails a little bit. Um, <laughs> so we are going to try to keep it a little more structured throughout the rest of the show. We got men's basketball, baseball, uh, and then another quick segment at the end. So let's talk about men's basketball because the season finally mercifully came to an end about two ish hours ago. Uh, as as we record this, Angie, did you watch the game first of all? Oregon State versus Oregon the in the game. first round of the Pac-12 tournament. I did watch the entire game. And they were down by a lot. They came back. They went down by a lot. They came back, and then they lost. Is that a good that's, good rundown? <laughs> that's that's pretty much how it went. And I, I think that's you know how a lot of basketball games go. But to be honest, that hasn't really been the case for Oregon State this year. It's like you know, oftentimes you see them get down big and then they just kind of wither away. Um, but what I've been impressed with the last couple of weeks and, and again, today was, you know, just kind of the resolve and, and the resiliency that this team has shown that, you know, even though they're down to seven, eight guys, and and even though, you know, they're not really playing for each other and the, the culture isn't great. And there are all these bad things that have been piling on and piling on. They still play hard when they're out there, you know, for the most part. Um, defensive breakdowns happen too often with this team, but they, you know, for the most part, give effort. And, um, we saw that again today. Cause you know, they, they whittled they that deficit shots. down many, to I don't know how many black shots they had, but they had quite a few. Yeah. I, I don't know what it came out to either, but they, they did whittle that deficit down to three, a couple of yeah. times in the second half after getting down double digits. So, um, you know, they, they fought obviously just undermanned and, um, and quite frankly, the, the coaching and execution by the players weren't just wasn't there this year. So in all, Oregon State goes three and 28, which sets the record for losses in the Pac-12. No Pac-12 team, no Pac-10, no Pac-8, no Pacific Coast Conference, no members of this conference over the last 105, 110 years have ever lost 28 games in a men's basketball season until this year's Oregon State squad. And that is after going to the Elite Eight. We Carter. mentioned last week, Elias Sports Bureau uh, tweeted out that Oregon State had the most losses in the, the year following an Elite Eight run of any team of all time. They added on to that with, what, three more losses, three more since, losses. We, since we recorded last week. So it does officially go down as the worst season in Oregon State men's basketball history. If you go off of uh, win percentage, Second worst also belongs to a Wayne Tinkle team back in 2016. So, Angie, where where do you go from here? If if you're Wayne Tinkle, if you're Scott Barnes, if you are a player on this team who has eligibility and can come back next year, where what happens with this program now that the season's over? There's a lot of soul searching, but um, I think if you're Scott Barnes, you're questioning that big extension you gave Tinkle and. Um, instead of just adding a year, like was on a, you know, um, adding a year to his contract. I think there's players are going to do a lot of soul searching, whether they want to come back. I doubt we see Jared Lucas back. 
Um, I'd be surprised if we do. Let's let's pause before we go any further. Jared Lucas, you know, for for all of the struggles he had this year, and I think didn't quite live up to the expectations that a lot of people put on him, and quite frankly, the expectations he had for himself went out this season with a bang. You know, he yeah. he had I, I don't know what the the total was, but he he did have twenty points about midway through the second half. Um, was was firing on all cylinders and and was hitting from three like the Jared Lucas we know and honestly I mean there's there's something about the month of March with Jared and, and particularly in Las Vegas he he's just played out of his mind uh, in the Pac-12 tournament and and also last year in March Madness but go on with with your thoughts just want no, to I, give a, a quick I, shout I really out just there. think like I said and we've talked about this before I'm a I'm a Wayne fan I think I think he is so good for the, the school. I think he's good for the department. I think he's a good fit, but damn, you can't lose that many games twice in your time here. Um, especially what is this year eight? Yeah. I, I, I think there has to be some looking at your, I, I mean, Oregon state doesn't have the money to buy him out. So he's here. Um, I do think that he's got to look at his staff and really kind of he, and I, and I think he's the type of guy that is going to do some soul searching. Um, and really, I, I think when he, I, and I don't know, I, but a good X's and O's game day coach, I think is so important is, is what he needs. Cause I think that's what they're lacking. Um, it is too bad that they couldn't come together as a team. Um, I do think like you mentioned it, there was some, you know, there's the guys that played on the elite eight team over here and they think they're kind of the shit. And then you have the new guys that are highly ranked JUCOs coming and transfers coming in. That's kind of been, that's, that's been my read on the situation all year is that, you know, it it was never an issue of the individual guys in those two groups. It was the fact that the two groups never meshed. Never meshed. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, I I think, you know, you look at like Jared Lucas and Roman Silva, Warith Alatiche, you know, those guys, I'm sure get along just fine, but it's the, um, it's the intersection of the newcomers and the returners that I think just never really worked. So Here's a question for you because, I mean, I, I think there are multiple correct answers to this, but the fact that you have a group of, of guys who came in and a group that came back from a really successful team and you weren't able to build chemistry there, how much of that is on the players themselves? Because, you know, part of your job as a student athlete is to you know work with yeah. your teammates. Um, but, but also how much of it goes on the coaching staff for one, identifying players that you want to bring in and two, helping them kind of dive into roles and, and, you know, assume responsibility for various things. What, where does, you know, who's, who's the onus on? I think it's, I, I, that's a hard one. And I think that is the, probably the hardest part of any, any team, whether you're, it's a business, whether you're a CEO and you're putting together a team, whether you're a professional league. It's that um, finding guys that fit your system. And I think coach Smith has been really good at that in finding guys that fit the culture that he's trying to build um, fit with that kind of team mentality. I always tend to put more blame on coaches because I feel that they're getting paid a lot of money to make it work. Um, But at the same time, these aren't, these aren't like fifth graders that you're trying to get to come play together. These are, men, young men, um, who have played basketball their whole life. And frankly, I think Oregon state could have done better sometimes if they would have went to Dixon and picked a group of five from 
a pickup game to come in and play um, because they looked that disjointed at times. So um, like I said, it's hard. It's hard to put all the blame on young kids, but at the same time, or young adults um, at the same time, I, I would say probably, I guess, 50, 50. I mean, it's, um, but that's on the coach too, to be able to identify guys that fit that, excuse me, the team culture that you're trying to build. I think basketball is harder than football, a, but it's also easier to turn around because you are only dealing with five guys at a time. Um, you know, so you can, but basketball is such a, you know, guys go coming and going and, and playing on club teams and, and AAU squads. And, um, and, and I think this is, I think you're going to see a lot of this moving forward in all sports in all with, sports. with the yeah. way that the transfer portal works. And, you know, I mean, transfer portal is such a buzzword right now. And I, I think a lot of people overreact to some of the negative elements and quite frankly, overreact to, um, you know, they get over optimistic yeah. about what the yeah. transfer portal can actually bring. But I think one of the realities is it is that it really does make it difficult to kind of evaluate the guy that you're bringing in. And especially, especially now, you know, in, during the COVID era, um, you know, Wayne Tinkle was having to recruit guys and, and not necessarily bring them onto campus. So, you know, you're bringing in these transfers and, and, and recruiting prep guys, and you're doing this all over zoom and, you know, you can't really create connections. They can't hang out with their potential teammates. You know, they're not getting hosted by these guys. They're not, um, you know, staying in Corvallis. It's, it's difficult and it's no excuse because your job is to adapt and, and, you know, make it work. But I do think that the transfer portal is going to bring about more of these situations than we might've seen in the past because because if they're successful at the school they're at, they're not going into the transfer. Exactly. Portal. Exactly. There's a reason that's, why they're in the portal. Uh, that's um, the point. The, and the, it's, it's not always an attitude reason why they're yeah. leaving. You know, it's, you know, oftentimes they're looking for more playing time, but again, that's, I mean, that's just it, you know, the motivation level, the, um, the expectations they have from what they're getting at their program. I, I think that was what it came back to with this team. Well, what, one of the things that I find the most disturbing is the fact that these these athletes were not being held accountable for being late, not showing up, um, kind of blowing off what the coaches expected of them. And, um, I know that times are changing, you know, and, and there's a, but I was always taught that you, you respected your coach and you respected your teammates and you were on time, which meant early and you were a team player. I mean, so I, like I said, I know things are changing, but we saw what, when you're not a team player, what, what it looked like. Well, as, as much as times are changing, there are some things that will always be inexcusable. Mm -hmm. And, and that is talking back to your coaches on the bench, which we saw this yeah. year, that's, you know, yelling angrily at your teammates in a non-productive manner in a timeout. It's, you know, showing up late on game day, which we saw. And that was the one time I believe that, um, that a player was held accountable was okay. yeah. Maurice Kalu showed up late to, to Gil Coliseum on game day. And then as Winkle, as yeah. Wayne Tinkle said, after the game coach's decision, he didn't play. So we, we saw a little bit of that, yeah. but there are some things that, you know, have kind of reared their head with this team that I think are inexcusable, regardless of what era or, you know, what team or what situation you're in. But um, I'm rooting for Wayne. I, yeah. I am. And I, and I hope we get him on because I would love just to hear his thoughts and, and not beat a dead horse. And, but I'd like to just hear him explain, you know, maybe his thoughts and his philosophy on, on that team culture and, and maybe things that might change in his mind when he's now recruiting guys. 
We'll touch more on men's basketball if and when we bring Wayne Tinkle on, but we do need to move on to baseball here. Um, the, the baseball team, let's you know jump right into this. Yeah, let's they, jump into that. So consensus top 10 team right now in, in the country, there are five main polls out there, um, including you know D1 baseball, collegiate baseball, baseball America, um, the baseball writers, and then fifth one, I'm blanking, perfect game. No, not perfect game. Blanking on the fifth. Anyways. They're ranked as highly as fourth, and they are a consensus top 10 team now nationally. After a series win against UC Irvine, they dropped their first game of the season this past Sunday in the series finale in extra innings, three to two. Uh, But they come out of the weekend with a pretty impressive series win against a team that was picked to finish second in in, in their conference and was nationally ranked entering the season. So... Angie, what's your kind of excitement level about this team after the first three weeks of play? Because we, we talked about it, you know, two weeks in, but now that you've seen them at home against a, a really quality opponent, what's kind of your read on where oh, I, I'm so excited. I, I think the sky is the limit um, for this team. Um, pitching, I think, is strong. I, I know they got some bad news. Um, who was it? Tommy John potential. Uh, Kerry Eggers is reporting that Will Frisch is potentially going to undergo Tommy John surgery. But Fennings is back. So that's positive. So not quite, but it is. So, I mean, so I, I, I can say I have, I have heard and seen that he is close to a return. Okay. I'd heard it was tight back though, not tight arm because tight arm would be bad. Yeah. I, you know, the coaching, the coaching staff, isn't going to give many updates on injuries this year, but um, from what I have heard, what, from what I have heard, it's um, kind of a week to week situation on his return. So So, a a shorter term deal than, than Will Fresh. Will Fresh. Because Fresh is is a talent, but I think the biggest thing that this team has that we maybe haven't seen from the past couple of years is the bats to go along with it. Um, And top to bottom. I mean, they're looking pretty solid. Um, yeah, one, one through nine. And then the guys who come off the bench too, there's, there's no drop off really. Um, and I'm never worried about the Beavers defensively. And so they are, their fielding percentage is one of the top 10 in the country right now too. Um, I, I say there's no drop off in, in the order and that's, it's, it's kind of half true, half not because there is a drop off. It just goes from a 450 hitter in the three or four hole to, a guy who's hitting in the 275 to 300 range at the bottom of the order, which, you know, <laughs> but by, by all measures is a very good batting average. And, yeah, you know, they yeah. have a bunch of RBI at the bottom of the lineup too. So there is a drop off, but it's not an issue if, if you kind of know what I mean. Yeah. Um, a, a really impressive feature of, of this team so far, I think is the depth that they have shown, as you said, on the mound, but also um, at, at the plate, I, I've been impressed with the fact that, you know, there's, there's no easy outs, um, for, for any opposing pitcher, every at bat. And there's power. There's some power this year. Yeah. More, more so than last year. And we saw that even in a loss on Sunday, both of the runs that Oregon state scored, um, came on solo shots. And then Jacob Milton nearly won it in the 10th with, with a, a very loud fly out to the warning track. So Oregon state, a top 10 team right now enters PAC 12 play this weekend at Bailey Brayton Field in Pullman uh, for a three-game series against Washington State. First pitch on Friday is at 3.05 Pacific. Okay. Uh, then it goes down to 2 o'clock on Saturday and then 1 o'clock for the finale on Sunday. So we will have coverage here 
at Beaver Blitz, even though we won't have feet on the ground in Pullman um, the week after they'll be back in Corvallis for a five game homestand. And I'm going to try to get to all five. We'll see. Um, might try to go up to Portland for a little bit of March madness action at the end of the week, but um, I we keep will Carter have busy. as much coverage of baseball as we can. Carter uh, is in, busy. In this busy time right now. Yes, it, it is crazy. Um, and that's, I, it was, it was kind of funny today where I was, I was trying to follow up with Hank Hager um, about getting a guest on today from football. And I mean, the poor guy, seriously, he's got, he's got baseball, spring football and wrestling. I forgot about and wrestling, golf, but men's and golf. golf and golf. So he is kind of all over and then they don't have Sean Scheffler helping because he's been finishing up with men's basketball. So it really is kind of a all hands on deck and kind of um, scrapping together, but we promise to have somebody next week and Carter seriously is killing it for us. Um, that's part of the deal with me doing some real estate stuff too, is him getting to take over more of the blitz stuff. So I try to get to as many things as I can yesterday. Tuesday was a very busy day. Um, one of the, one of the very rare days of the year where I actually have three sports to cover. So started at football practice at nine 30, went over to golf stadium for some baseball interviews and, and, you know, watched the first couple minutes of practice there, um, from about 1130 to one or so. And then I was back here to, to preview the basketball game against Oregon. So, like I said, one of those kind of very rare days, um, across the yearly schedule where I yeah, cover yeah. all three sports, but it's very common this time of year. So the February to March area is, is often actually, um, our, our busiest time of the year at Blitz, even though we're in the football off season, believe it or not. Yeah. And then gosh, I've got a, a kiddo playing baseball up here. So, um, yeah, anybody that wants, I know Jack actually stepped into some JP's weekly walk off a year or two ago. Jack loves baseball. My 14 year old loves everything about baseball. Um, I just spent way too much money on a bat. I did not know bats were that expensive anymore. Like, like I can't even tell you my jaw dropped when I saw how much this bat was. That baseball much. is an expensive sport. The glove was expensive when we got it. Like we got him a legit glove last year, two years ago, um, like a legit lifetime glove, but the bat, holy cow. I was like, yeah. And that's, that's future Oregon State standout, Jack Machado. No, yeah, no, I don't. You know what? Jack's going to be a freshman <laughs> next year. And I, yeah, I, as much as Jack would love to play baseball at Oregon State, and he thinks it is like the, and he's right, it is the Mecca. I mean, seriously, um, he is not being recruited right now. And, and, and that says something because Oregon yes. State is not afraid to offer an eighth grader in, in I, baseball. It's funny because there's there are some parents out there who, We'll talk to me about their kid and I get it. You know, you're proud of your kid. No. Oh, my kid's a great baseball player, blah, blah, blah. Okay. And he's going to go play it. You know, I'm like, that's great. But has he been talking to them? I mean, he's like a ninth grader, 10th grader. Has he been? No, no. I'm like, yeah, he's not playing D1. Sorry. He's not playing power. Play. <laughs> he's not been yeah. identified yet. No, they, they start really early with they baseball, start early baseball. And, you know, more, more so even than with football. And I know that there have been a lot of Kind of complaints with yeah. with how the system works now where you know we're we're ranking high school freshmen on their football ability but um yeah. yeah that's that's besides the point speaking of baseball before we close the show here um kind of just want to 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 touch on the, the spring and winter sports success at oregon state because you, know, you throw out men's basketball obviously women's basketball underperformed this year as well but outside of that the Oregon state athletic department is, is really rolling right now. So baseball 
let's let's just kind of give you a rundown. Yeah, let's here. get so, a rundown here. Racer Beaver twenty three actually brought this up in the lodge. Yeah, shout out, shout out, shout out to our Beaver Blitz members for for staying on top of all of the sports here. And um, I, I did actually go to his post in the lodge to to pull some of this information. Um, so credit to Racer Beaver twenty three, but. Baseball is a top 10 team, as we mentioned just a minute ago. How about softball on a 16-game win streak right now? Seriously? They're also ranked in the top 25, and uh, they just had their home opening series. Right, I I guess it might have been a tournament that they were hosting in Corvallis last weekend. A doubleheader on Monday with two no-hitters. Pretty impressive. They've got got themselves a a pitcher, which is what you need in softball. Yeah, awesome. Outside of the two diamond sports, uh, wrestling took second at the Pac-12 championships and, you know, is, is always one of the premier programs in, in the Pac-12. I believe they're sending at least one wrestler, but I, I, I think a couple to the NCAAs, if, if I remember that press release correctly. Uh, and then gymnastics shared the conference regular season title, which I, I think, you know, it, it sounds great. There is a little asterisk there. You know, it's a four-way tie. It's a kind of a short season. There's only so many results. But I, I don't think that detracts any from, from Oregon State's share of the conference title because, as we know from following this program, Jade Carey all season, uh, this is a pretty good gymnastics team. Well, and I want to bring up one point because I am not like a huge gymnastics fan, but I did watch a couple of the meets just because it was kind of fun. To, I mean, they're really good. Um, and in a conference, that's really good, but one little tidbit, and I did not fact check this, but the PAC 12 announcer had made this comment that in 25 seasons at Oregon state, Tanya Chaplin has made the postseason every year. Sounds huge. right. It's huge. Um, it's yeah. Huge shout out to the women's gymnastics team. Yeah. Great. And, and obviously, you know, we have this discussion a lot. Football is the driver. Of, of all things in college athletics and, and Oregon state is, you know, falling behind, I, I think a little bit there, even though they, they're, you know, kind of on, on the upswing they're they're not where they would like to be quite yet in football, but there is something to be said for the success that Oregon state has in the Olympic sports. When it comes to wrestling, when it comes to gymnastics, obviously baseball is a national powerhouse, um, arguably the best program in the country in this century, um, outside of football, you know, Oregon state has been a, a premier athletic department, I think in the country is, is that fair to say? Yeah. I mean, I don't think you're on the same level as Stanford or maybe North Carolina. There's some, there's some that are, are high up there, but I think Oregon state has a lot to be proud of as far as, as a whole, like you said, football is King. And that's kind of where you're judged. I think overall is that's, what's going to bring in all the money for everything. But, um, I think as a whole, there's a lot, um, a lot of things to be pretty proud of i mean goodness soccer i mean i'm not a soccer fan at all but to watch what the men did this year it's huge i mean it i don't think you can really even quantify some of these you know just the exposure um and just the excitement it brings because it you know the football players the recruits they're all seeing this as well so yeah it kind of helps um the rising tide raises all ships kind of thing but they need football i mean if they put all money in football and kind of forgot about the rest right now, that would, it would not be popular, but it would be um, kind of the wise thing. But I think it, it does help. Like I said, you go to the, all the games, any match, any, um, and you'll see athletes from all sports there supporting. Um, they are a family. So. 
And I'm glad you mentioned men's soccer because I, I did leave them out of this segment because I wanted to focus on the small, sports yeah. that we're covering right now with spring and winter uh, at this intersection. But, you know, what soccer has done over the last two years, two years ago, they have the national player of the year. And then this year, um, you know, down the stretch, ranked number one in the country and, and unfortunately upset in the NCAA tournament, but but had a nice run there and, and looked like, you know, what what could have been one of the best teams um, in the country, if not the very best, if, if not for that upset, just, yeah, I, I think really impressive across the board and gives us kind of a, a positive ending to this episode uh, as we record on the day of the end of the worst men's basketball season <laughs> yes. in Oregon State history. So it's not all doom and gloom in Beaver Nation here on Wednesday, March 9th. <laughs> crash in that? the background <laughs> yeah not sure what that was i'll, I'll have to go it investigate is live, folks it's live it's it's a good thing that um that we're ending now so i can go check out what that was but thank you if you followed along on youtube live um and then of course you know thank you for listening if you are on spotify apple podcasts you name it um you can follow angie on twitter at angie machado one you can follow me at carter baines and of course, stick with Beaver Blitz uh, throughout throughout the rest of the spring. We've we've got all sorts of coverage coming up with baseball, spring football, um, and then we'll get into kind of the off season and and get to play around with some of the content that we don't have time for the rest of the year. So, uh, lots of good stuff coming up at, at Beaver Blitz over the next couple of months, and and specifically right here in this busy time. Uh, as as spring and winter sports converge so thanks angie for for joining me and and thanks everyone for listening we'll be back next week with another episode of the damn podcast